0: One of the things I, uh, I, I, I keep my ear out for is why do people come here? What is it about this church? Is it, is it the lights? No. Is it the screen? No. Uh, is it my preaching? Oh, maybe. Uh, maybe it's the song leaders. Yeah, I reckon it's the song No, one of the things you'll find is, and, and we've run surveys in the past, but it's this. How I feel when I'm in this place. There's two things. One is the presence of God. One is the presence of God. When people come into this place, one of the big things that, one of the major things that stand out for them is this, I feel something inside of here that makes me wanna cry. That, my friend, is the presence of God. It is love touching people's hearts. The other one too is this, and this is something that we have practiced that's come from my, uh, through my generation and practiced in this house, and that is the spirit of hospitality. It's the spirit of hospitality. Two things people say. One, I feel the presence of God. I don't know why I'm here, but I feel something in here that makes me wanna cry and I just feel happy. Awesome. The other one is, I felt so welcome. People welcomed me here. People came up and said hello. It's amazing that out of all the hours that I put into preparation, (laughs) bring a sermon, actually what impacts people most is one, the presence of God and two, that people feel welcome. It's the spirit of hospitality. One of our values as a church is this, it's the spirit to include. It's the spirit to include. And this is what I wanna unpack for you this morning because I believe if you can get this around your heart and get it into your heart, your life will be incredibly influential, not only in this life, but when you enter into the kingdom of God, when you you pass from this life into the next, when you stand before God, I wanna tell you that there'll be a time where He looks at you and says, you come and sit on my right hand. Welcome, there's a place that my Father has, the Bible even says there is a place that my Father has prepared for you before the foundations of the earth. And this comes back to the spirit of hospitality or the spirit to include. Hello. And the reason I wanna bring it out this time because it is actually connected to fatherhood. We've got a seminar next week on on, on, on the fatherhood of God. and. There'll be people talking about God the Father. Actually, one of the things you'll find is hospitality is very much connected to what it means to be a father and a mother. But in this particular case, I'm emphasizing on the fatherhood of God. One of the things that you'll notice or you may feel is this, well, I can see it is this, is that that the influence on my grandmother I can see in this church. Why? Because she was incredibly hospitable. There was no one she turned away from her house. It's one of the most important things that every person, some people, you may not stand up here and preach, but actually you can do something much more powerful than that, and that's the adopt the spirit of hospitality around your heart. Hello? Got a little bit quiet. And I wanna unpack a little piece of scripture for you because it's gonna really revolutionize the way I believe. It, it just challenged me, it really messed me up. I was stewing over it for a while. And let's just turn in, the, let's turn in our Bibles to Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter eighteen. Give me a hello when you got it. Hello. So it's the story of uh, Abraham and and how his name was changed to Abraham. Uh, that there was he was made. A, he was given a promise of God, and that at ninety nine years old and uh, in chapter seventeen verse twenty five he was circumcised at the age of ninety nine years old. E. Anyway, in verse 18, here it goes here. In verse 18, verse one, then the Lord appeared to him, Abraham, by the terebinth trees as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. And so he lifted, he, so he lifted his eyes and looking behold, three men were standing near him or by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground and said, my Lord, if I have... If I have found favour in your sight, please do not pass by on your servant. Please let a little water, somebody say water. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet. Somebody say wash your feet. And rest yourselves under the tree. Somebody says rest under the tree. And I will bring you a morsel of bread. Somebody say bread that you may strengthen or refresh your hearts. And After that you may pass by and as much as you have, as, as you have become your servant, they said, do as you have said. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, Quickly, get ready. Three measures of fine meal, knead it and make cakes. Then Abraham ran to the herd and took a young, tender and good calf and gave it to a young man. He hastened it to prepare it. Then he took butter and milk and the calf, which he prepared, and set it before them. Somebody say, set a table. He set a table before them and he stood by them. Somebody say, stood by them under the tree as they ate. I had a couple of questions that came, in fact, I, have, I was made of questions as I started to read this. And even when you start to research it, you'll find that there is a whole, there's a little bit of confusion, or well, not really confusion, There there's different thoughts about what's actually going on in here. One of the things we see, first of all, is that there's, God sends three men, what appears to be three men. In fact, they're not men at all. They are angels in the guise of men. The question I had was one, why? What is their purpose? Why did God send three angels under the guise of men? Why, why do that? What was their purpose? What was the purpose of those of, of that angelic visitation? What was going on here? And one of the things I, uh, I, I I felt in my heart this, what was their purpose? I believe that they had three purposes. And one of the things you will find is when the angelic operates around your life, it doesn't just happen for the sake of happening. There is a purpose behind the angelic activity. And angels are, are, are spirit beings that you cannot see with your natural eyes, but in this particular case, they will manifest themselves, God sent them in the guise of, of, of a man. Now I believe this, there was, there was three purposes of the angels, I'll, I'll get into the, the other thing in a minute. But one, I believe the first purpose was this, was to heal Abraham, to bring healing into his body. I believe that there are angels that are released from heaven to bring healing into people's lives. He'd just been circumcised and he was in pain. One of the things I believe was this, that angelic activity was released to bring healing into people's lives. I believe this, that God still releases angels to bring healing into people's lives. The second one, I believe this, was to inform him that Sarah would have the child of promise. In other words, he sent these people into, to, the angels were also there to speak destiny and speak hope into people's, into his life. The third one was this, I believe to bring judgment onto Sodom. Sometimes angels come and bring judgment. Uh, I, I've seen it around my life, I've seen it around particular circumstances where I believe that one, God sends angels to bring healing, God sends angels to, to, to speak into people's lives and to, and to encourage them. I believe also that angels are also sent from God to, to bring the judgment of God into, into particular places. I've seen that happen around people's lives, people that refuse to get their life right, uh, and, and, and I believe that angelic activity was, was released. But one of the intri- things that in, uh, was intriguing to me was, why did God send angels as men? And I started to look at it a little bit more and that Abraham had met with God before. It was not like his meeting with, with God was a one-off occurrence. The it starts off, it says, that the Lord appeared to Abraham as he was sitting in his tent. This is not the first occasion that God had met with Abraham. Abraham he had met with Abraham, a number of times before. The other one that we find was this, that he had also met angels before. He was not unfamiliar with angels or what they were like. If you look back in, um, in, in, in chapter 16, one of the things you will find is that Hagar has a conversation with the angel of the Lord like it was a common conversation. You can read it in your own time, but you look at the, you, you look at the dialogue that takes place with Hagar, and. And the, and, and the angel of the Lord, and it was like a conversation that was taking place that you would have a conversation with somebody else. So to me, it, to me, it, I, get, I get the idea that there must have been a great awareness of the angelic, angelic activity must have been quite common around the life, or in other words, the life of the supernatural must have been common around the life of Abraham. There's a specific reason why I believe this, that Abraham is known as the father of our faith. One of the things that you'll find is this, is that, Maybe you've talked to people and I've mean, i talked to people and heard their spiritual experiences about entering to heaven. Whatever your thoughts are around that, it doesn't really matter. The point being is one thing I notice in common that they all have is the first person that they meet when they have an experience of heaven is Abraham. Abraham is the one there that welcomes people into heaven. The point being is there must be something around Abraham's life that God, that he has referred to in most religious, most uh, monotheistic, uh, monotheistic religions in the world, that Abraham is a source of faith. There's something about him. He has, an, he has supernatural activity that goes on around his life. So why then did God not just send an angel? Why, if he was so familiar with talking to God, if he was so familiar with the supernatural, if he was so familiar with having a conversation with angelics, he knew what angels were. Why then did he not just send an angel and to tell him about the... The healing and the wife, and it would have made things a whole much more easier. He would have understood it. There was a reason, but, but but God doesn't do that. He sends angels in the guise or the or under. He sends them as people. They didn't look like angels. If he looked if they looked like angels, he would have known straight away these are angels. But it doesn't say that. The Bible says that he saw men coming. Are you, are you following me? With, yeah. So for me, I started. Down, What's going on here? What is the point that God is trying to make? What is the emphasis that God is trying to make in the fact that he's sending men, as a, sending angels in the guise of men? And what was their purpose? What was he trying to build inside of Abraham's life? What was it inside of his heart that he was trying to do? The other thing that struck me was this. We're gonna read this, just read this first part again. So Abraham, the, Abraham is sitting in his tent, and God appears to him. Whoa, I mean, think about that for a little bit. You are in your house, you're sitting in the gateway, you're sitting out in the deck, you're doing something. Maybe you're picking apples or you could be out in your boat fishing, whatever, I don't know. But you're, you're in your life there and God appears to you. But the Bible says, the Lord appeared to him. How would that look? The Lord appeared to him, and then it says this, so he lifted his eyes and sees three men, and when he saw them, he ran from the tent to meet them and bowed himself to the ground. Bring that verse back up, and he says, my Lord, can we bring that verse, uh, bring verse three back, back up? It's interesting what he says and how that says. And he said, my Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. Look at the way the word Lord is spelt. You can see that it's spelt with a capital L. I mean, it's just kind of basic English here. Sometimes, if you look at other versions, you'll find that it's spelt with a small L. The small L and the capital L, or how that word Lord is translated, makes all the difference to how this piece of Scripture unfolds. Because if it was a small L, it could be easily interpreted as saying, you know, when you talk to, some, when you talk to a person of respect, you say, you'd call them sir, that, that translation of Adonai can mean either Lord or sir, it can mean um, respected one, or it can mean sovereign God, depending on the translation. But if you think about this, if you think about what this means in the context of what's going on, You think about what it means, what Abraham is just doing. One, he appears, God appears to him. God appears to him not just for the sake of appearing, but God is appearing to him to give him a revelation. In other words, God is about to download something in his life about what he's about to do. In the middle of that, in the middle of that, God appears. And he opens his eyes and had a wee peek. Hey, there's some people coming. I can see people coming down the road. Here he is in the middle of a holy and righteous and supernatural experience. The most amazing thing that as Christians we think we could ever possibly do is have the encounter face to face with God, just what He's doing. In the middle of that, like you and I would say, if I was in the middle of worship, don't disturb me, don't annoy me, don't hack me off. Don't do anything. I want to have this time with God. And right in the middle of that, he has a peak. And there's a new person over there coming. The statement here, he said, my Lord, if I have found faith. Who was he talking to? He wasn't speaking, like in one translation, it would say says L with a capital Kept a small l, in other words, if you spell it that way, he's going to the person, he says, my lords, welcome, or in other words, my respected guests, welcome, have a cup of kai, have a, have a kai, have a, have a boil up with me. But he's not saying that, he's, he's actually addressing the Lord. he's actually addressing God Almighty in this particular case, which absolutely changes a whole bunch of things. You think about what that means. That right in the middle, he, of a powerful supernatural encounter, he basically says, God, wait a minute. I know you want to do something powerful, but can you just hold that thought? Why? You think about it. In the middle of that, before God can even utter a word, Abraham is thinking, he's, he's seen the new people coming. He's seeing the strangers, he's seeing the people that are on a journey. He's seeing some people who he thinks are men but are actually angels, who never needed what he offered in the first place, but that, doesn't mean that that's, that's not the point. The point is, he's having a supernatural encounter, he has a peek in his eyes and he sees new people coming along. And he, tells, he basically tells God, hold that thought. He's in the middle of worship, he's in the middle of revelation, and he sees new people and he says to God, oh, I'm really sorry please don 't move on, just just stay where you are just i 'm going to be back soon. Is that not what it says? my lord, if I have found Lord, look, you know me like I, my heart 's for you, but there 's new people over here there 's some people that i 've never seen before there 's some strangers there 's some people on a journey there 's some people that look they look tired there 's people that are are coming on the road, and I'm in a bit of a dilemma. Do I have my supernatural encounter with the Lord, with you, the Father? Do I break my worship? Or do I go and meet the new people? You get what I'm saying? Can you see what's happening here? If you think about that, what that means, because it actually says that. Abraham is actually interrupting God as he was about to speak, asking God to wait while he looked after the visitors. You could reword that this piece of scripture and it would say this, and the Lord appeared to Abraham. He looked up and he saw three men standing all coming against him. On seeing them, he hurried down to the tent door and to meet them and bowed down. Then turning to God, he said, my God, If I found favor in your sight, do not leave your servant. In other words, please wait until I've demonstrated hospitality to these new people. Hello? And then he turned back to the man and would say, let me get you some things. You think about what that means to be a Christian. Think about what's just happened there. You think about the value, because at the end of the day, he had to make a decision. He had to make a decision. Do I stay in the presence of God Almighty and wait till I hear what He speaks? Do I have this awesome supernatural experience? Or do I go welcome the new people in my life? The question of this, the issue is this. The issue is whenever you're faced with a decision, there's always, decisions are always value judgments. In other words, whenever you make a decision about anything, what it means, you place a value on one thing higher than you do something else. You with me? Most of the time when you're making a decision, you're choosing between two options. One of the things that you look at whenever you make a decision regarding a house, regarding uh, should I go to this party or go to that party, or should I go to this church, or go to that church, wherever. Whatever that decision is, you put a, most people, whether they are aware of the value or not, every decision that we make is a value judgment. Where will I put my time? Where will I put my money? Where will I put my words? What will I do with my resources? There's always a value that underpins the decisions that we make. So the question is, what then is more important? What more was more valuable to Abraham? Having a revelation from God, having privy to God's revelation from heaven in front of his face, what was more important, that or the welcoming of new people? For me as a Christian, as a pastor, I pray and believe for our supernatural encounters. But according to Abraham, according to Scripture, what's more important is the heart of hospitality, that I reach out and welcome a new person that God brings in my life. That's almost heretical. For for many people, they would think, that's a heresy. How could you ever do, how? But there was something around Abraham's life that was in his heart. He put the value of people, the hospitality, the welcoming of people that were different, the welcoming of people that were on a journey, welcoming of strangers into his heart. Well, you can only hear a baby crying. The most spiritual thing that you could ever do is not have your eyes open that you could see an angel or anything like that. The most spiritually, most profound thing that you could ever do is to open up your heart to people that are on a journey that are different to you maybe. To welcome them into your home, to welcome them into your life. Some people may never prophesy from this platform, but that is not the most important thing you could ever do. And it's come from welcoming people into our life. In other words, we could say, uh, in another interpretation, this, this interpretation, we're looking at this piece of scripture this way, there's a Hebraic principle that says this, greater is hospitality than receiving the divine presence. Greater is hospitality than receiving divine presence, based on this piece of scripture. In other words, based on the fact that Abraham is a father of our faith, based on the fact that God did not smite him down from heaven, that God did not send a piano and a a big hand, Don't you be thinking like that. No, God waited. Abraham still became the father of nations tells me this, that's gotta be true. Greater is hospitality, in other words, greater is having a heart that welcomes people into your world than you sticking your arms up and telling about all your spiritual experiences. Oh, Hello. Faced with a choice between revelation and God, off and offering hospitality to what seemed to be human beings, Abraham chose the second option and God didn't get upset. In other words, this. He placed it more of a value to extend hospitality to human beings, to strangers, people that were different, maybe a different color, maybe a different race, maybe weren't even Christian, maybe just whatever, maybe just people, just people full stop, regardless of what they looked like, where they came from, what they had, what they didn't had anything like that, regardless of what they look like, regardless of anything. He made a decision to put the welcoming of those people, of people into his life, more than he did attending on the presence of God. God's presence is gonna be here regardless. He's all around us. What he's more interested is, will we welcome people into our hearts? It's more virtuous to invite guests, strangers, people that are on a journey into your home, than being privy to God's revelation. Oh, well I thought having revelation was the most spiritual thing we could do. Apparently not, apparently not. No, it's the welcoming of people into your life. Jesus also speaks of the same thing along the lines of the same lines of importance in Matthew chapter five. Verse 23, he goes, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there at the altar, go your way, be first reconciled with your brother or your sister, and then come back and offer your gift. What Jesus is essentially saying is this He said, I don't need your worship, I need you to be right with the people around you more than I need your worship. I need you to you have to put things right with the person sitting next to you or around you more than I do for you need to come and stand and you put your hands up in the altar, and Shane Miller talked about that. The same line, in other words, the reconcile, the word reconcile comes from the word shulkon, which means to set a table. So the word reconciliation uh, means the same thing as to prepare or hospitality, to welcome somebody in. Your, the, the whole word hospitality means by either welcoming either an enemy or, or a guest, or it, it, it applies to a whole range of people, including your enemies, that you can welcome them. And, and you'll notice what Abraham did was he set a table. He set his food out. In other words, when you set a table, when you prepare a table, when you, when you go to the effort of setting something out, one of the things you'll find is that there is an expression of one reconciliation, uh, it is also an expression of hospitality. God prefers that more than He does anything else. It's easy to receive the divine presence when God appears as God. I mean, if God supernaturally manifested His presence in this place right now, most of us will be on our face before the Lord, crying, saying, "God, forgive me. <laughs> Please, Lord, ignore my Google searches." Please ignore what I did to that person. Just, oh, I'm sorry, Lord. Lord, I'm just. But what happens when God appears as strangers, when God comes in the form of men, when God comes in the people, in the form of people that maybe look a little broken? It's easy for us to receive the presence or the divine presence when God would appear as God, but it's a little more challenging to receive the divine presence when we receive people. You understand this? There is no other creation in the entire world, that is made in the image of God, that God has not put his reflection and his likeness upon his people. So people therefore, have an, he did one thing that he didn't do to anything else, was to put his life, he breathed into man. And every person in the world carries the breath of God, whether they know it or aware of it or not. So whenever we receive people into our lives, regardless of what they look like, sound like, anything, actually, we're receiving the divine presence in some way into our lives. Mm. It's the essence. And this was Abraham's greatness. He knew that serving God and offering hospitality to strangers were not two things, but one. Don't separate the two, actually. Divine presence and offering hospitality to people. There's not two things, but one. The essence. I start to look at what hospitality is. The essence of hospitality is not the tangible that you give. It is not the tangible that you give. It is the attention and the heart that is given. Because the reality is these guys were angels, they did not need the tangible food that Abraham provided. What moved them was the attention and the heart that was given. I don't know about you, but you could go to somebody's house for a meal, you could sit down, it could be the finest of food, but actually you don't feel welcome. It's like, I wanna get out of here. I've had enough, thank you, bye. You could go to a person's house when they have very little, but you can feel the offer, you could feel the love. You could stay there for a week, maybe two. I must Start paying board or something like that, could live there. <laughs> you know, I notice when, when people come to my, my parents' house, when we have guests that come in, one of the main things they always say is this, I want to come back. It wasn't about the preaching or anything like that. It was the afi that they felt. It was the spirit of hospitality that was in the house. That's what draws people back. Apostle Tamarit, when he came here, he said to me, David, he said, I'll come back anytime, anywhere. You want me to come back, I'll be there. Why, was it because of the gifting? No, because I looked after him, I welcomed him. It's the tension. Interesting, I'm not gonna unpack this, but it's amazing. But when you think about it, he says he brought water, bring water to wash your feet. Water speaks of something. Water speaks of the life of the Holy Spirit. Rest under the tree. This is what hospitality means. It's not about serving the right canapes. It's about the Spirit. You think about this. You say, bring water, wash your feet. In other words, wash the part of your life that's a little unclean. Rest under the tree. In other words, find rest for your soul. Bread to fresh, or refresh or strengthen your heart. In verse eight, then he stood by them and protected them. He wasn't just looking over their shoulder just to see how much they were gonna eat. He was standing there watching over their life. He was there to protect. That's what hospitality means. It's not just about serving the right food. It's about the heart that goes into it. It's about the fact that saying, when you're in my presence, your heart will be refreshed. There's gonna be no judgment held against you. I will give you something to strengthen your soul. You can find rest here. You don't need to be. My house is your house. I will look after you. I will look after your well-being. You will find healing when you're in my space. I'm not here to judge you about the nature of your food. I'm here to care for you. I'm here to help you on your journey. One of the other things you'll find is this, that um, when they left, Abraham just didn't send them on their way. I don't know if you've been to some houses, you're about to go, and it's kind of like, find your own way to the door. It's like, okay, which way is out? (laughs) The Bible didn't say that. The Bible says this, that after they finished all that, Abraham didn't just show them to the door, but he walked with them on their journey. In other words, not just get out of my house. The point being is this. It's a message that says, you're not an inconvenience in my world. He didn't give the message was, oh, I've got jobs to do. I've got prayer time soon. I've got people to see. I've got people. To it's not, I've got a schedule to keep. You know, it's my bedtime soon. You need to go. You know, CSI's on in half an hour. It wasn't that. It was, the hospitality was. You're not an inconvenience in my world. You're welcome. It's a place of honor. In fact, it's an honor to have you in my home. It's an honor to treat you this way. I value your presence. You're not an intrusion into my world. In fact, my world will just change a little bit so that you could find rest for your soul, that you could find strength in your heart, that I could walk with you a little bit. It wasn't something that he just had to get over and done with. Sometimes hospitality, if it's not of value in your life, just becomes a job that you just have to do. And you'll stick to clocks and you'll stick to schedules. It'd be like, okay, it's time to go now. I better do something, otherwise pastor will check up on me if I've invited anyone into my home. No, it's not the point. The point is I'm looking for the spirit of hospitality that would abide in your heart that you're not in it. People come at times that didn't suit me. It doesn't matter. Why? Because in the heart of every person lies something precious and unique. In the heart of every person lies the breath of God. In the heart of every person, regardless of how they look, I'm gonna to learn to see them as the image of God that God has created. It's my job, it's my responsibility to welcome them into my life, to give them to help them. It's not the volume of food, but it's how the guest feels. It's the impression that is left, how you treat them. Funny, it works for men, it works for women, it works for people. It also works for angels, it also works for the Holy Spirit. I want for me, and as I started to write this down, I thought, well, it's one thing to show hospitality to people, but how much of my world do I, do, do I not show hospitality to the presence of God? But the list, the, the schedule over there says we need to start at this time and we need to finish it now because we've got people coming for lunch. And, and we wonder why the Holy Spirit doesn't rest and abide over our lives. As I was starting to write this, I thought, Holy Spirit, I don't wanna just welcome people I mean, I will welcome people We do that. But I also want to be one that is known to welcome your presence and not just allow the jobs that need to be done get in the way of having your presence abide and stay in my life. It's not that the fact that I gave you just a little bit of time or anything like that, it's the fact that I gave, I wanted you, I received you into my life, I made room for you in my life. How much room do you give for people in your life? Is there any room at all? How much room do we give for the Holy Spirit Our hearts, how much space do we give for the Holy Spirit in church? Well, it's time to close in what 10
1: minutes,
0: (laughs) really. Just because the clock said that time, that means we've got to go home and don't worry, I'm not going to go for another. (laughs) I'm just trying to emphasize a point. How much space do we give for the Holy Spirit in our lives? How much space do we give for the Holy Spirit in our church? How hospitable are we to people? Hebrews 13 verse two, it says, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, for in doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. And as much as we desire and believe for the supernatural as a church, as much as we desire for people to experience His presence in this house. Let us as Christians, let us as Bay City be known for our hospitality. Let us be known as people that would open up our lives, that would open up our hearts to receive people. People that are different, people that kind of different colour, speak a little different, got a little different background, maybe don't have as much as us or maybe have a lot more than we do doesn't really matter. I've had some of the most wealthiest people come and have the time of their lives in our house when we didn't have as much to offer as they had to offer. The point wasn't that. The point is you're welcome in my life. You're welcome in our heart. In the same way, our Father in heaven, this is what really moved me this morning. And in the same way, our Father in heaven has also done for the same for us. He welcomes us into His presence. He gives us the water of life. Jesus said, whoever comes to me shall never thirst again. For out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. He gives us the water of life. He gives us His Spirit. He Himself doesn't just provide the water, He also washes our feet. He washes the place of our lives that are unclean. He welcomes us. He's not ashamed. He's not ashamed of the fact that we may have a tattoo in secret places or whatnot. He's not afraid of anything like that. He'll still come and wash our feet. His life on the tree. The cross was our tree. Became our place of rest. When Jesus gave, and God gave Himself, His Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross, it wasn't a place of, that we need to be a you know, place of conviction, but it's also a place of rest, that actually we can find rest in our soul, rest in our heart, that Jesus Christ gave His life for us. He carried the burden of sin, that we could find rest in our souls because of what Jesus hung on the cross. There is rest. There is, there is life that comes from resting under the cross of Jesus Christ. You can see this beautiful picture that comes all the way through. He is the bread of heaven to strengthen our hearts. And His Holy Spirit walks with us on our journey. That's what it means to even to be a soul group leader. To be a soul group leader, it's not just a duty that you do because I don't know why. The whole point of being either running a soul group is simply this, that the spirit of hospitality will perpetuate in our lives and in our church. It's creating a space in our own homes that people can come, they can find rest for their soul. They can rest a little while. They're not there to be judged. They're there that you would watch over them and protect them. You're there to help walk them on their journey a little bit. That's what it means to be a soul group leader. It's what it means to be a pastor. That's what it means to be a Christian. Just in closing there. I wonder who has fallen by the wayside that we could reach out and bring into our home. As much as we have that demonstration of the supernatural, who else could we reach out to, to welcome him into our life and welcome him into our home? Who are the people around us that we can bring in, that we can strengthen, refresh, heal, clean, and walk a while with them on their journey? I wonder who? Are we so busy doing our own thing that we forget and miss out the most spiritual thing that we could ever do? In conclusion here, Matthew chapter 5, verse 34 to 35, it says this, Jesus is talking. And he said, and then the king will say, who's the king? Jesus. In other words, when all of us stand before Jesus Christ, when we die, when we come before his throne and stand before his throne, what's he really gonna ask? The fact that we had angelic activity, that we could prophesy names, that we were so clever in our singing that we could worship like a little angel? Maybe? No, I think more he'll ask this. He'll say to those in his right hand, come, blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you extended hospitality to me. And his disciples said, Lord, when did we ever see you like that? Jesus said, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. Oh, I preached to thousands of people. Lord, I did preach stadiums. I did some awesome things. When I was a stranger, you took me in. When I was new to church, you didn't get so caught up in this or that and the other thing that you just, you opened up your home to me. You, when I was new to church, you invited me in. You you know that moment when you stepped up, you put your hand up to say, yeah, Lord, yes, pastor, I'll be, I want to be a soul group leader and I want to reach out and, bring people into my home. I was one of those people. <laughs> I was one of those people that, just a face in the crowd, That you thought I was a face in the crowd, but when eh, I was a stranger, you welcomed me in. I pray for all of us here today that will keep our priorities on what's important. You may not be able to even read the Bible. <laughs> people will read you. People will read the fact that you opened up whatever you had to offer and welcomed them in. In the same way, like I said, we were strangers to God, but yet he sent his son to, to welcome us into his world. And that's why we are who we are today. Because somebody reached out. Jesus gave his life on the cross. And on that cross, we can find shelter. We can find peace underneath that tree. Holy Spirit, would you come and fill this house this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love that you've shed for every one of us. That even when we were separate from you, after our own thing, Lord, you reached out to us. Lord, Lord, there might even be people here this morning and they're doing still doing their own thing. But Lord, you still reach out. Thank you, Lord, that even right now that you're reaching out into people's lives. You're showing hospitality, you're demonstrating. You have demonstrated the the most gracious hospitality ever. Father, we're grateful for that. Father, I pray that today that you would move on every one of our hearts where our hearts have been hardened, where they've been distracted by jobs to be done, businesses that need attention to, spiritual experiences that need to be had. Lord, let us never forget you extended hospitality to us. Lord, never allow our hearts to be closed, I pray in Jesus' name. Father, enlarge our hearts, Large our hearts to love and large our hearts to to bless our community, to bless our nation, I pray in Jesus' name. Help us, Lord, to make sure that we have the right priorities in life. Father, I bless every household here today in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for the, the heart of hospitality that's in this house. Lord, I pray today, Lord, that you'd use us, that you'd help us value the spirit of hospitality. Help us value, help us see. Pass the outward appearance of people and welcome them into our lives. Father, forgive us. We were so tight and shrewd with our time and our giving, God. Lord, use us to bring your love and your hope to the world around us in Jesus' name. Know God's people said? Go and just stand and just lift your hands. Come, Holy Spirit. Lifting your hands is just a sign of just opening up your heart. You can lift them a little, you can lift them right to the top, just whatever. just, Just open your heart to Him. Come Holy
1: Spirit,
0: come Holy Spirit, we welcome your presence into our lives. Father, let us carry your heart for people today in Jesus' name. In this place, I love to just stand the altar for those that are here today. You're needing somebody to stand with you in prayer, you need someone to come and minister, you need somebody to need the presence of God to touch your life or some part of your life. I want to create this space as we sing this song one more time. If you just need prayer, if you want somebody to stand with you to bring strength to. To bless you, to pray over your life, love to extend this opportunity right now for you to come to the front. I want to pray with you, I want to stand with you, and help you on your journey. If that is you, as we start to sing, please feel free, feel free to come to the front. Otherwise, have a fantastic Sunday, fantastic week. Open up your heart to people. Come on, let's sing one more time. Just turn to somebody next to you. Just welcome them, or bless them, or pray for them, or take them home for lunch. Somebody have a fantastic week, and we'll see you soon.